Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learned from it. All right. So today we are going to be talking about uh, the idea around uh coming up with original ideas and copying and things like that is that kind of it or have you could you say it in a nutshell better no I think you know talking about originality is is what we wanted to focus on but we also normally I think we have a more structured idea of what we want to yeah. flesh out and we don't today so you know we'll see how we're just we're just going to have a conversation we we sort of put an we put a um a poll in our stories on Instagram about um, what people wanted to chat about and people did seem quite keen. It was quite a majority vote on talking about um, originality in art. So I think, yeah, we'll just sort of see where the conversation goes and what areas we cover because I think it's such a big, broad topic that it's probably at least one podcast here but many more tangents that could be covered. But anyway, how are you, Julie? How's your day weekend life Ah, I'm good my weekend was busy I mean I had the my husband was on call so I had the boys to myself so we didn't I didn't get a lot of painting done a little bit at night but it it was a lovely weekend at the moment in the studio I've just started a whole bunch of works and they're all at the ugly shit stage and I'm sure they're not the way that I've seen them (laughs) (laughs) they're not but there's one in particular that I am not I'm just not feeling the vibe. The mm. not feeling the vibes. It's not really how I work, but <laughs> I feel like I'm going to need to take one of them and just push it a little bit further so that I can see that I'm not mm. that I can do it again. I'm just at that. So when you say a stage. few, how, how many is a few? So I've started three, 
and mm-hmm. I'm just finishing one small cloud round that I need to just finish up and take into de novo. But I want us to have. I want. There's three other big paintings that I also want to start. Mm. But I might just need to knuckle down and take one a little bit further. You're so good. I had tried to do your way and now I'm just reverted back to my original way of just working on one at a time. That's fine. I know. No, I I think you've got to... I might to I'm I'm going to start if I get a chance today I want to start another I want to draw up another one so I've at least got the bones of it but it's hard because the one I'm doing at the moment is in the really bad teenage stage where it just is like ugh so ugly. yeah <laughs> not ugly but you know just yeah. gawky and awkward and like I might are you sure this is going to turn out all right I don't know and I and I yeah. and I get panicky at that stage, leaving it and starting another one because I think, oh, <laughs> yeah. The one I'm struggling with is a smaller commission work, and it's actually making me think. I don't know if I want to keep working small. Mm. I yeah, don't well, enjoy it, no. and well, I do enjoy it. It just takes me a lot longer to get into it, and I find it way. More, I don't enjoy it as much. Mm. And so I'm thinking about just saying I'm not going to take on any more small commissions because when I'm when it's not a commission I can just put it aside and leave it, mm. but when it is a commission and I've got a due date I've got to push on regardless of how I'm feeling. Yeah, and that's not. And that just feels like a lot at the moment. Yeah, well, I would say that sounds good to sort of set yourself a kind of limit of size that you you know minimum size limit mm. and just be like. It doesn't have to be forever anyway, does it? It's just like right now with, no. with a lot on your plate, if you're not going to really enjoy that process, then it'd be quite nice to just say, I'm only actually going to take on things that I know I'm going to enjoy the whole part of the process. Yeah. It's probably one of my last commissions for the year, to be honest. So mm. that's all right. Mm. Um, oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Anyway, how are you? How was your weekend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had a little pre-chat about... <laughs> yeah it's been it's been a bit of a difficult parenting time for me lately um quite a few fails happening on my part um which I've struggled with but I won't go into those now um uh but yeah I had I'll talk about a, a sort of funny fail <laughs> with my weekend um it was my daughter had her birthday party yesterday and um which was quite uh, had been postponed for like two months basically due to a lot of different reasons um, so she finally had a, her party which she was very excited about and she wanted me to make her a, a p- swimming pool cake <laughs> which um, after like a lot of Pinterest trawling and we, I thought I came up with a kind of idea of making this cake and lining like cutting out the shape of a pool into the cake and then lining it with fondant icing and then she wanted it to have jelly in it blue jelly in it and so made up this jelly poured the jelly like when it was cool into the swimming pool area I'll put a picture perhaps in the newsletter so anyone wants to see and I I was really excited because it because it did sort of look like a swimming pool and she was so pleased and then in the morning when I got it out of the fridge the jelly had all sunk, like drained into the cake, and there was no. Like someone had pulled the plug, 
And I was like, no. Oh, no. And then she was like, where's the pool? Where's the, where's the pool not in there anymore? And it, yeah. So then I had to try. I was like, it's okay. I'll make more jelly and I'll pour more jelly in there. And then, so I drove to the nearest, like, shop, supermarket, and they had no jelly. They had no blue jelly. And so then I drove to the next nearest supermarket and they had no jelly. <laughs> then I drove to the next supermarket and they had jelly. Oh, by this point, it had been gone about half an hour. Got some blue jelly finally, drove home, made up more jelly, poured it into the inside of the cake and it immediately started to just drain into the cake again. So then I had to find this little tiny, quick, get a little cup and then I was like bailing out. <laughs> <laughs> bailing out the jelly back into the <laughs> into the bowl oh no quick bail it out bail it because I was like I don't have any more jelly <laughs> this is it I'm not driving no um so I bailed out the swimming pool quickly um and then decided to set the jelly separately in another in a bowl and then I just when that was set just literally just before the party I kind of sort of got a fork and stirred up the jelly and poured it into the into the middle but instead so instead of being like flat and glassy and looking like set jelly in the cake it just looked like a load of mashed up jelly poured, poured into the I middle I thought it looked pretty cool it from a distance, than anything I could it do. looked all right from a distance but she was like why is it all lumpy and not flat anymore I was like this is how it is <laughs> this, I'm not. it was like so stressful I was like why didn't I just buy a pavlova Anyway, she was really proud of it, but also it was a massive cake, and we've still got like half a cake left. And You're just morning... going to be eating fondant icing for like three oh, weeks now. It's so much buttercream because it has all these chocolate, um, chocolate fingers that were like the the deck, the wooden yeah, deck. Like, I love those. Um, yeah, but it's just I had to. I had to, oh, I also had to drive and get buy two more packets of those because I ran out halfway Jesus. around. So that was a. Do you know what this trip. reminds me of? Have oh. you seen? Those Hamish Blake Instagram stories whenever he no. makes his kid a cake? No. no oh, you'll either. have to look them up. So he does them overnight and, like, just drinks while he's doing it. So oh. as he's making these cakes, which are usually ridiculously ambitious, he's getting progressively more drunk. <laughs> I should have done and that. And it usually results at, like, 2 a.m. Yeah, it's, they're very funny. Are the cakes good in the end or, or terrible? I mean, they're better than anything I could do. But mostly I'm just in it for the humour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, she was really pleased with her cake and everybody, you know, all her friends were like, oh, wow, a pool cake, you know, because she had these little like Playmobil figures that were, she's got like, they wear, they've got like, you know, swimming costumes and things on. And so we put those around it and then one of them was in a little mini donut. I thought that was really cute. Yeah, she was really happy. But like, (laughs) my husband was like, oh. Have you calmed down now after that little bit of <laughs> stress? I not see him making any bloody cakes. I know. I was like, have you ever tried to make a swimming pool cake? <laughs> you find it's really, really fucking hard. <laughs> better than anything my boys ever get, trust me. Yeah, uh, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is the last time I try and do something very ambitious. Anyway, we've got so much cake. And I said to my boys this morning, do you want to take some cake with you to school? And they both looked at me and went... No, <laughs> we've had enough cake. Studio snacks this week. More oh cake. no, I'm like I don't. I'm not really a big cake person, but um. Anyway, 
I have to be this week. You weren't so a that, cake that person. Was, no, I wasn't a cake person. <laughs> past tense. <sighs> anyway, so that was funny. That was my my little fail this weekend. Um, and yeah, what am I doing? So I'm working on trying to finish this 60, 60 by 60 centimetre painting. Um, don't think I'll finish it today. Hopefully if I crack on, I might be able to finish it tomorrow if I work tonight. And then a couple more that I want to finish before sending them off. So yeah, just trying to do that. And that's it really. That's where I'm up, up to. Before we jump in, I might, um, I might start this week just by wanting to say a quick little thank you to some people who've supported us on our coffee page. Yay. So a big thanks to Rita, Helen, Wendy, Michelle and Caroline. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone else who's donated as well. It's been super lovely and I just can't quite get over the fact that no, that's happened. But yeah, no. huge thanks. We're going to try and put some of that money towards um, getting Julie and I in the same vicinity that would be quite one of my friends offered to film it i feel like now that <laughs> oh, i yes. mentioned it in a previous pod there's going to be the expectation of the baywatch slow-mo oh, we're doing the sl- we're doing the baywatch <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so hopefully in the next in the next um well you know before before midway through the year we're going to try and do it in the next couple of months or so uh where we catch up and yes so yeah some of that money hopefully will go towards helping that happen um and then we'll be able to do an in-person podcast can't wait for that that's going to be so fun it'll be like a special bonus three hour long episode probably (laughs) 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 watch this space um so yeah that's really exciting and really lovely that yeah people are supporting us and the podcast um yeah and we're just so so thrilled to have got over 20,000 downloads, which at the, I mean, I'm sure it will be even more by, by this point, but yeah, we're great. We're so grateful that everyone's enjoying it and want to keep going. So on that note, let's, let's, let's talk about this topic. <laughs> yes. So starting off so, with, um, talking about original ideas, I guess yes. if we just want to start quite broad what are your I mean do you have any first thoughts around that like what comes to mind when you think of original ideas in art I think it's very hard to reinvent the wheel I think the the I the thought of having to try to reinvent the wheel is an impossible task and I think all you can do is try and put your own spin on things um yeah I uh, it's I think if we spend too much time looking outwards and realising that other people are doing similar things to us, it can really cause you to kind of have a crisis of confidence and a wobble about your own kind of idea. And that's not conducive to creating anything good then because you're suddenly influenced by the fact that other people might have done something similar. Um, which is why I think, you know, yes, so spending too much time on social media isn't a good thing because the more you sort of look outwards and see other people's things, the more you're going to question whether or not what you're doing is 
your own or or whether you've been influenced and I think it's impossible to not be influenced so trying to be completely original it's it's a very difficult thing (laughs) Um, and I think as creatives we often think your creative idea isn't um worthy sometimes mm-hmm. unless it is 100% original and I don't think that's possible either and I think it's not a standard that we hold up to other industries like yeah. you don't go to a do you know what I mean Ugh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy but my brain it just doesn't <laughs> think that way but like if you think of the way that chefs learn they all they learn like yes. a basic set of recipes and then they sort of tweak it and make it their own and we think that's fine that's great that's how they yep. learn but for some yep. reason with artists we think oh well if they're doing something that's even slightly similar to someone else they're not mm. original enough or we're not being creative enough but I yeah. don't think creativity and originality are necessarily I don't think they're separate I think no it's... I think that's a really good analogy I love that and I think that's so true I think, and I think at the beginning, it's almost impossible slash not actually quite ridiculous to think that you could start off with being original. Just like you say, with the being a chef, like you have to learn those initial knife skills and then all of those initial kind of um, basic recipes, like how to make a roux, how to make a bechamel sauce how to make you know whatever it, I don't I'm not a chef so I don't know what you'd learn but <laughs> all of those um basic basic recipes that will then see you through to being able to put your own spin on them later on and mm. you know a chef won't necessarily completely change I mean you don't you know there's certain things like you go to a restaurant you order a tiramisu it's going to have the sort of same ingredients as another place that's got a tiramisu but you know that one is going to taste slightly different from another because that the way they've combined those ingredients and the quantities and the way they've assembled it etc is going to be slightly different yeah um so yeah I think to to start off with whenever you start you know whether you're learning self-taught or whether you're in a place an education sort of environment you're going to be looking at other people's art and 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 in a sense copying and then learning that way so and don't and don't get me wrong I don't think either of us is saying that um if you are copying someone's style color palette subject matter and your work, you're trying to make your work look exactly like theirs and then passing it off as your own. Mm. Like I think there's, um, oh, there's a, massive a difference. big difference between copying in that sense and learning from someone, taking inspiration from someone. Mm. Um, lots of people and historically in lots of education settings, people have done copies of other work in order to mm. learn something from that. And I don't think there's anything wrong that wrong with that, especially if you acknowledge it. Yeah. I think it's where yeah there's a there's a definite difference between you know learning and copying from someone and acknowledging that to looking at someone else's art copying it and then trying to sell it and say that you came up with that like yeah you you alone will know that and and know the difference 
but exactly. that's where you just have to have I think integrity as an artist and ask yourself is this is this my idea really I think have when I you put, don't put, when people yeah. don't acknowledge it it does come back to bite them at some stage someone will question them on it and yeah I think you're better off being honest from the outset I was inspired by such and such you know there's yeah. nothing wrong with that and it's really lovely when people do um let you know that you've been you've inspired them to do something mm. because your style is always going to be slightly different anyway I couldn't no matter yeah. how closely I tried to copy something it would still have my hand in it exactly um it it does get it does get a bit gray and I've certainly experienced that and been on the receiving end of that mm. and then I've also been on so when I was starting out I I I remember starting out doing landscapes and I had bought a landscape painting on paper from an artist that I followed um but you know they were selling sort of like um a4 paper artworks in their stories and I thought oh that they're really nice I will buy one and then I'm not sure if I was doing landscapes at that stage I think I was still just doing the resin art and then I had started to move into doing landscapes and now I feel like my landscapes were different from this one that I bought and from the person that I followed she had quite a distinct style definitely but then one day I thought it was a bit strange that I hadn't seen her work in my feed for a while and I you know went and typed in her Instagram handle and it was like user not found and I thought oh, that's weird maybe I've typed it wrong so then I spelt it differently and tried a few different things and in the person that didn't show up and then I thought this is odd because I'm sure she did do you know quite well and she was selling mm. lots of work and I then I had this idea I was like well hang on a minute I'll just go into my other Instagram account because I had another one so I switched over to that Instagram account and searched her name and immediately her name came up and that was when I thought she's blocked me that's weird uh. she's blocked my account so that I can't see what she, her art's doing and I and I had this horrible sickly feeling I felt really uncomfortable because I thought I don't understand why she's blocked me and I almost sent her a message from my other account to say oh I, like why have you blocked me I don't understand why you've blocked me and I the only thing I could think was that she must have felt either threatened by or worried that I would try to copy her because I had changed mm. and started to do landscapes, abstract landscapes, and she was doing abstract landscapes. And whilst I felt like mine were very different, perhaps she saw something that felt too similar to hers. And I respect that. Like, I you know like that's that's her it's... prerogative and that's she's allowed to block whoever she wants and but I do I did feel very ashamed that somebody mm. would think that and it and you know like it, it's difficult for me to admit this because it I didn't intentionally at any stage think I want to copy her but there must have been a reason you know and I don't know because I never asked I never did reach out but um, 
that made her think that I was a threat or something in some way. Mm. Um, and it's everyone's got really different personal reasons about why they might block or hide an account, and it may have nothing to do with you. It might be, yeah, yeah. like a, a reason that's totally personal to her, and I think yeah. you can't take that you can't. on board. But, yeah, it was enough for me to then be hyper-vigilant about trying Mm. to not, you know, it did shake my confidence a bit. And I thought, oh, no, gosh, because I was just sort of starting out and I was just sort of playing in this area of of not doing resin anymore. And, you know, it all felt quite new to start painting again because it had been such a long time since I'd actually held a paintbrush. And then I did did get a bit of a wobble where I thought... "Mm." have I I don't know if I've got any original ideas in me like maybe I haven't got any original ideas and uh, it took a bit of like playing and practicing and not sharing things online before I felt confident then to kind of say it's interesting this is this is me and this is mine yeah do you think I mean I know that you'd had a few people uh, I remember when you were doing the resin there was quite a few accounts that popped up that looked a lot like yours and there were yeah. people that were actually blatantly just using your images on their feed. Was it? Do you think you were hypersensitive because of that as well? Like you knew how it felt to be on the receiving Yes, I think I think so. And I think because I had felt so um, wronged when I saw someone copying what I was doing, and especially when they just literally lifted the image and put it on their page and said, here's paint, you know in Russian or something I couldn't read it ever but it was like and you know quite a few accounts that it was just not just my images but other people doing similar work and four or five of my images on someone's account that they were like saying was theirs and I felt so wronged by that and so kind of Mm. like like that's not okay like it's my work like I I can't believe anyone would do that um yeah and then I think yeah, I made up this narrative in my head. <laughs> like, it was completely in my my own mind where I said, this person, I really liked her art and I really respected her as an artist and loved what she did. She thinks I'm trying to copy her. And I wanted to... I wanted to say, I'm not trying to copy you, you know? But I couldn't, you know? And it felt... It felt like I'm like I didn't want to. I'm like I'm not like those other people that copy other people. Mm. I'm not. I'm not one of them. And to suddenly feel like I'd been put in that camp felt really difficult and and upsetting. Yeah. Oh, that is. But then again, like you say, it could have been just totally personal because she could have been like, "God, that woman's really annoying. I don't want her following me." There are lots of different reasons, like for why you could block someone. It might have been that she had particular sensitivities around something that was showing up in your feed, whether it was kids or a painting style, or you just don't know. And I think sometimes your imagination can get the better of you in that sort of instance. I tend to make up the absolute worst case scenario, and then decide that's a a fact. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a, it was definitely a thought that I, you know, really nurtured in my head for several months <laughs> I was a fraud <laughs> and a copying really artist and, and I was like so I tried then really hard to kind of make my work as different as possible and oh and I did I I think because I hadn't gone gone through a kind of like experimental phase 
you know, offline. I felt like I was online and I had an online presence and I had people who who expected me to be an artist. And so I sort of, I don't know, I, I kind of felt like I had to fast track to know what I was doing. And and yet I actually needed to have some some incubation time. And yeah, yeah, and just practice and and try lots of different things and then and then it kind of turned full circle and I started doing these um like I was I was remembering when I did screen printing and how I really enjoyed um with screen printing where I would you you have like a a silk screen down and you you put your cut your colored ink like um on the silk screen and then you use a squeegee and you pull the ink you know from one the top of the squeegee top of the sorry I'm really doing a bad job of explaining this in words right. <laughs> be much easier if I was doing a visual demonstration Phoebe's uh, demonstrating what a screen I'm, screen I'm, I'm demonstrating so, with my hands here guys you have to just <laughs> this is a non-visual medium use your imagination so you put your squeegee at the top of the silk screen which is lying on top of your fabric and you pull the squeegee down towards you and it presses the ink through the silk screen onto the fabric underneath and you either have you you know you can have a stencil down or you can just have it open and and just pull th- colors through um and i was remembering that and i and i rem- found a squeegee um in my studio from back when i was i don't know even how i had it to be honest um and i thought oh i could use that and i might do a bit of that with paint just on paper and i started to experiment and do these little kind of landscapes where i put blobs of paint down and then squeegee them down and they were so fun and they were just really nice sort of quick simple ideas and had lots of people say oh i love i'd love to see how you do that because i don't think i i sort of showed them without any process and then i I think I thought, oh, I'll do a reel or something and show, you know, show them how you do it. Anyway, then uh, next thing I know, I see, see these popping up all over the place. And um, one particular person, a few months later, like sent me a message saying like, oh, thank you for doing that tutorial on how to do those landscapes because my I've now got 100,000 followers on TikTok and I've been making these videos on how on on doing up paintings like this and um yeah and then I looked and she had like over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and she like her TikTok was just absolutely huge with millions of views and she was like yeah if I hadn't seen your video that time I would never have discovered this way of doing it and then I was like oh (laughs) good good for you glad it's all working out and you're so successful now with that idea but I mean knowing you (laughs) you probably could have done that for a little bit and then you would have got bored with it and wanted to move on anyway exactly and what I mean is it at that for that for a few minutes I sort of felt a bit bitter I'm on it if I'm honest I felt a bit sort of like oh that's a bit not fair and then I had to have a word for myself and go well you didn't want to do you know had you made videos of that and put it on tiktok maybe you would have been famous or you know viral or whatever and if Mm. you really really loved that way of doing it you would have done bigger pieces or more pieces and you could have pushed it further but like it it was more of an experimental um playing kind of stage and they it wasn't enough to itch the scratch that i had of wanting to develop my painting skills 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So then I go and I got over it and I was like, you know what? No, that that's actually really great that she saw something and she ran with it and she made it her own. And this is the thing about copying. You, there's two ways of going with it. You can copy someone else and always be behind them, you know, and you, they will always be one step ahead evolving and you will always just be in their shadow if you decide that that's the way you want to go and you just want to copy someone else. But if you take an idea and then evolve it and create your own spin on it and push it in a completely different direction, that's when copying can actually be more of a kind of bouncing pad. What's is that the right word? Like a springboard. Yeah, launching point. A la- launching point for launching your own... pad. Yeah. A launching pad. Sorry. <laughs> launching pad. And you know, you can then shoot off into the stratosphere in a completely different way. And so yeah. yes, I think we have to just realise that looking at someone else's idea or way of doing something is often a really great way of igniting a kind of spark in your own imagination of oh how could I do that and push that in a different direction versus I'm going to you like literally copycat that idea and churn out the same thing yeah I've uh, I've come across quite a few people now within the art sphere and other areas where people have felt like their account or their photos or their ideas are being copied and the first instinct for some has been to take all of their ideas offline like I'm not mm. going to share on social media anymore or I'm not going to give too much away or I'm not going to because I'm so terrified of people copying me and I get that and if that's the right move for you if if like the insecurity of having mm. someone take that from you is too much then I feel sure if that's the right thing for you yeah. but part of me really agrees with what you've just said in the don't be afraid of being copying because you, if you're being copied, you're always going to stay one step ahead anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, a lot of lot of people used to message me and say, I don't, I'm too scared of posting my work on social media because I think people will then copy it. And I'm almost, you know, I sort of think... But you've done over, it now. Get over it's, yourself. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. you know don't think that everybody's out there to copy you there might be someone out there to copy you but you've got to see that as flattery now that's what I see it as in a way yeah I think it's that balance between wanting to share your work and knowing that that gives so many people inspiration Mm. and um, lots of people love seeing what you're working on and Mm. that risk that someone's going to try and copy you I think it's just one of those things that comes in the social media landscape and you can't yeah. dwell on it because I think it's – I don't think that the original, there's no way of coming up with an original idea, no. but I think part of what makes us human is what makes all art in its own way original. Mm. Like even if you tried to copy someone's work identically, there's still going to be a fingerprint that was yours. There's, yeah. you know, even amongst – and, I mean, one of the things I think that I get quite hung up about is that – so even amongst the galleries that I'm with, there are other people who are painting peonies on dark backgrounds. And I think yeah. in some ways it's what made me slow down in that area for a bit. But I think lately, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or if it's I've just been really enjoying my peony paintings again. I think I'm less hung up on it mm-hmm. now. And 
I remember a little while ago, I think, um, I think it was Willie Russo put up a post about what to do if you're being copied. Mm. Um, and one of her, the takeaways that I had, had not thought about it in this way before, she said, one of the things you can do is make sure you document your progress. Mm. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't worry about not being original with my peonies because the photos are my own, the lighting is my own, the way I paint is my own, and it's very different to the other people that are working similar to me. Mm. And then I think if I take it back far enough, like I was using dark backgrounds even when I was at high school, mm. but then if I flesh into that a little bit more, I got my dark background idea because I was looking at people like Caravaggio and Bill Henson. And so exactly. I can call anything my own, but I also have to acknowledge there are plenty of people out there doing similar things. There and are people that, that I've learned past, from, yeah. been inspired by, but I'm continuing, I hopefully, to evolve my ideas and change mm. them. And, you know, everything that I do is going to be mine in some way. And I think... I try, yeah. I do, and and it'd be. Oh, sorry, oh, yes. I I just think it's important to also remember that there is only one of you, and people who follow you in your art, you know, even if they could then find online a poor man's version of you, you know, a peony on a dark background that someone else has done, they're not going to go and buy that one because they want your one do you know what I mean they want to buy a Julie Battisti it's like it's okay if they do like there might be something about my work that doesn't speak to them that someone else's does and that's okay yeah yeah my work's not going to be for everyone and it would be a lie to say that I don't get impacted sometimes when I see lots of like work that feels similar to mine sometimes it does I think oh I'm just one of many and it does play on me a little bit. And I do have times when I have to hide accounts, block accounts, not go on mm. Instagram when I'm feeling particularly vulnerable. Mm, mm. Um, but I also have to think that my work is is different and it's my own and I yeah. love it. And, I mean, I know I think the subject matter that I'm choosing is never going to be, like I'm never going to be the only person painting flowers. So yeah, I can either get hung up on that and not paint those things or I can, it's what I love doing. So, yeah, exactly. You can't, getting hung up on that is you not. You can't sort of go, well, uh, you know, right, What what's no one ever painted before? Like, yeah. okay, no one's ever painted, um, uh, like, I don't try and come up with something. It's yeah, impossible. exactly. <laughs> impossible. Like, okay, no one's ever painted, um, you know, used cotton buds. So that's all. Well, there there will be exactly. There will be. But let's just say, for argument's sake, we've googled it and nobody's painted used cotton buds. And so you go right, great. There's an original idea. Brilliant. I'm going to paint used cotton buds. Do you really want to paint that? (laughs) If the only reason you're doing that is because you think it's an original idea, that's not. That's not a reason to paint it. You have to start with the passion and the the desire to paint something or create something because you're you know you have a a a kind of connection to that subject matter and if you don't have that initial connection then well you're just you're just doing it for the sake of trying to be original and that's almost banal but then I think there's that whole there's that correlation with the avant-garde side of art with doing something that's so out there and so unique 
And if that's not what you want to do, I don't think that um, newness and originality are the only ways of defining successful creativeness. If that, Mm. you know, that was a really poorly worded (laughs) sentence. No, but I mean, yes, I remember. I remember in you know, like nineteen ninety or 1999 when I was um, at college so prior to university I went with our college up to London to see the Sensation exhibition which was in the Tate Modern and it was um, you know people like Damien Hirst and he it was the first sort of time he you had his shark in a formaldehyde and other artists um, Tracy Emin people like that who were creating these works of conceptual art that were completely kind of yeah original ideas and very confronting some of them some of them are quite kind of difficult to look at um Mm. touching on things like paedophilia and uh, murder and incest rape all those sort of like really difficult subjects and whilst they were really really interesting and really made you think and leave there with a very kind of you know like oh wow and then we had to go and write about them you know that was part of the the course you know that was part of the coursework was to write about our experience it didn't make me go I want to be an artist like that that you know mm. that was not saying to you no it's not that's not the kind of art I want to make I don't want to make political art or art that like is more about the reaction in the viewer I actually want to make art that's about what I love and enjoy and enjoy painting and hopefully find someone out there that also likes that and resonates with it and maybe that's a bit wishy-washy and not enough for some people but for me that's enough and 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 I think I think when I think about I know one of the things we've talked about this year is so your current subject matter is still life and so Mm. like me you're not the only person that's ever done a still life before and even if we think about what's in your still life like you know the glassware and that sort of thing you're not the first person to paint glassware but it is the first time that you've painted that and it's you know the first time people have seen Phoebe Gander's take on that and I think that's where the originality comes in yeah it's it was it has been quite difficult I have had to kind of mute accounts and not search too much because I've had well-meaning people send me images from other artists like oh I found this artist and they paint still alive look you they do glassware like you and then you go oh great yeah I've had the <laughs> why same have you, why have you sent me that like now I'm yeah like now I'm paranoid that you think I've copied them or or I'm you know I think I've it becomes something... um the comparison trap gets a bit stronger as well when someone is doing something like you and maybe mm. they are you know more popular or mm, in bigger ahead. galleries or yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I often will mute people that people have yeah. suggested. And, you know, I, I thought that with my clouds that I had found something that was more original, like I'd sort of moved away from the flowers and thought, mm. I've got this thing that's my own. And then I remember someone sending me another cloud paint saying, oh, their work reminds me of yours. I remember looking at them in some huge galleries and I was just like, oh, great. <laughs> it's just so soul-destroying. I did the same thing. So I was on the verge of contacting a gallery in Australia and plucking up the kind of courage to create like a you know an email with some a pdf of some of my images and then that gallery popped up in my instagram feed announcing um a new client you know a new person they were representing who painted glassware with like lemons and everything and i 
then clicked on that person's account who I'd never heard of before and I and I just my heart just sank because I thought oh no they're doing glassware and even the similar kind of glasses that I have in my my you know my my house that I had photographed and there's lots of paintings that I haven't even painted yet that are just photos in my in a folder and there were literally similar compositions and colors and everything mm. that this artist really had tough. done and this gallery was now representing them and I just thought well that's it I can't there's no way I'm going to bother now messaging that sending that gallery an email because they're just going to think I've I'm just like a poor man's version of this person and I'm just copying her even though I'd never seen or heard of her before but you never uh, I don't know if I would let that even stop you now like I feel like that in real life your work is always going to feel different to someone else's and I'm seeing more and more galleries that have two or three different people looking at the same subject matter yeah I think I'm just too I I haven't been doing it long enough I feel to I don't know have the confidence to be like this is this is I don't know I just don't know if I've got the confidence yet I need it I feel like I've only been doing it for you'll know when the time, time. Is right. yeah yeah I don't know I get I get quite easily I don't know what's the word derailed if I see things like that mm. and it's I, but um, I, th- I think a lot of people do and I think this is a really common issue for people to feel insecure about like you never ever want to come across as though you're trying to be someone else and it's yeah. really hard especially when you feel like you've been creating something that's really unique in yours and then to see something similar that someone else is doing it gives mm. you it does give you a shake and I I still get it sometimes and I think well I don't want to do that because that person's doing something yeah but then but then I go but I really love painting like mm. this this subject matter and yeah, I I don't I don't want it to stop me. I I I still feel like I've got so much to explore within this subject matter and the glass and light and fruit and things. And I just I just need to put the blinkers on really and and not not compare myself to other people's and yeah, like looking closely at that person's work when I actually sort of zoomed in, the way they painted the was different you know the the brush strokes yeah. are different and the colors are a bit more muted and there are differences like there are you know just just like I, two people's fingerprints are different but you know they both could look similar at first glance I think that it's um when where possible it's really important to see work in the flesh because I think sometimes the way that we photograph things with our phones and put them Mm. online and you're seeing them from a distance everything seems really flattened and similar you can't Mm. really see brush strokes you can't see you know whether laser paint are opaque or translucent and it's really hard to see brush marks and that individuality whereas I think in a Mm. gallery setting or in real life doesn't need to be in a gallery you can see the differences are more pronounced I find Um, and I always worry less about something once I've seen someone's work I'm like no no their work feels totally different I can understand that from a distance on Instagram maybe someone could look at their work and my work and go oh you guys do a similar thing and I think no yeah it's the way that we photograph things and the way that we, yeah. com- you know, put a composition together and, you know, I 
there's yeah. there's ways that are mine that I can cling on to and think that's how yeah. I do it and that's what makes just, me just, different. Yeah, just like that chef analogy, like two meals could, mm. you know, two two, I don't know, lasagnas or whatever could look both like lasagna, but then when you taste it, you know, you get the depth of different flavors and they use different ingredients and and that's it. It's like it's 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 the initial first glance is not giving you enough information to you you know really you need to look closer and see that there is a lot of difference in the way two people paint the same subject when is an idea copied and when is it just inspired by someone else's art like at what point is that but i don't Mm. really know if i've got the answer to it i just think it's an interesting question to sort of contemplate about yeah I think perhaps that's just a sort of thing that you if you are worried about copying being an especially emerging artist holding that idea in your mind before you start um painting could be it could be sort of useful um and if it is that you're in a, a space where you're not confident with your own sort of ideas and you're still thinking that you want to kind of imitate or work in a similar way to another artist, then that's fine, but perhaps just keep those images offline. You know, don't necessarily share them, you know, unless you've contacted the artist and said, look, I'm really inspired by you. It's okay if I tag you in these and say that I've used yours as reference and things because... I think, I mean, it's a really personal thing. If that's what you feel like you need to do, then... Yeah. As in, like, if you feel like staying offline is what you need to do. But I feel like sometimes we all hide those little bits and then nobody thinks that anyone's journey ever includes those transitional Mm. moments where you're maybe learning from someone else or through someone else. And I often think back to when I used to teach and you'd show your students how to do something and they would then take that idea and run with it and you end up being mm. so proud to see them progress and yeah. um, synthesise information. And yeah. I think I, I, I think I mean caught up. Yeah, I, I mean sort of like literally ad verbatim copying, that, you know, if you need to oh, do, yeah. if you want to do that, then that's probably not yeah. necessarily something that I would want to share online. If I literally looked at someone else's art painting and then and thought right well I'm gonna put that on my computer screen and I'm gonna sit here and copy that exactly yeah um, that's fine if that's something you want to just do as a practice because you know ev- people have been doing that for years copying from masters and copying from other people just as a practice of painting yeah but that's not necessarily what personally I would want to put online and say yeah here's a painting I've done unless I made it very obvious that I copied that from an artist and tagged them and acknowledged them and at that stage that's fine that's you know no one can stop you from doing that um I think you document it properly putting putting a price on it or putting it up without Mm. any kind of nod towards where you got the idea from that's a slippery slope and a very sort of gray area that I wouldn't want to go into yeah, I don't. I think that gets a bit. Um, but certainly, being I, I inspired it's... by another's idea or another's style 
sharing those are fine. You know, yeah, sharing those absolutely. works are fine. You just need to ask yourself the question of how how heavily influenced have I been and at what point has it crossed the line from being someone else's idea and work to mine, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just... I mean, I remember C.J. Henry, who's a pencil artist, having to um, destroy a piece of art that she got uh, accused of. Well, let me just look it up because I'm. Oh, this is not a story I know. So, in 2019, um, C.J. Henry created a realistic illustration based on an iconic photograph portraying Andy Warhol. Warhol, God, Warhol, <laughs> portraying Andy Warhol and Jean-Michel Basque. Is that how you say his name? Uh, I, I think it's slightly different, but I can't remember how exactly it's... Basque? Basquat? Basquate? Oh, God. I think Sorry. it's more like Basquat, but I can't remember. Okay. Anyway, Jean-Michel Basquat. Brandishing boxing gloves. The work was inspired by one of a selection of images taken by legendary photographer Michael Halsbad back in July the 10th, 1985, during a shoot with the pop art luminaries. Uh, so C.J. Henry received a letter, a cease and desist letter from Halsband to destroy the artwork. And basically, when you look at her um, drawing of the artwork, and we'll put this in the newsletter, um, her, she's she's hyper realistic with her um, style, mm. like photorealism. I mean, it's next level. It literally looks like a photocopy of the original photograph. You you cannot tell the difference when you've got the photograph that he took and the drawing that she's done side by side. They are almost impossible to tell the difference between the two. Unless, I guess, you mm. went, like you said, with a very magnifying glass, bent up very close and could see that, that it's actually done by pencil. But she's, you know, she's her skill level is just mind-blowingly... I don't even... Can't even imagine how she does it, but... Um, so she basically then had to... She got a... She, she filmed it. Um, I think there might be a YouTube or something of it. And she she spray paints black paint all over the her drawing to destroy it. Because... Um, uh, the, the photographer Michael Halsband said that she had breached copyright by drawing the paint, the photograph too similarly to his work. Mm. You know, she, she can, I think she contested that image. Yeah, she contested yeah. that it was um, a drawing and that you know there was no, you know, she just drew drew a, drew really a ref, used it as a reference photo. So yes, mm. there's there is, I guess some um, people you know you have you have, as an artist as that photographer's right to, say no I don't want you to, draw my, photograph and make money from it you know that's my original artwork and, unless you've got my permission you don't get to do that and so, it's an interesting, grey area where some people are okay with you doing that and some people are not okay with you doing that so. That's yeah. something to bear in mind and think about when you're using reference images, you know, if you are using them. Um, it can be 
it can be a tricky situation if you haven't got permission and then you end up breaching copyright that way. So yeah, yeah. I think it's always worth um, asking. I've had several emerging artists ask me if they could use some of my photos that they found on my Instagram over the years. Generally, I'm okay with it if they ask first and if it's not an mm. image I myself have used or plan to use. Mm. Um, but I mean, that can, it can be difficult and it can be, I mean, I always feel bad saying no to people and I haven't had to yet, but I think there will come a day where I'll have to say, look, that's an image that I plan on using. It's yeah. my photograph and... Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I had someone contact me recently who was starting a paint and sip um, company or something over in, I think, Australia. They wanted to know whether they could use my artwork as reference. Um, so not my not a photo, but like a painting that I painted. They wanted to use that in their class um, and their students would paint my painting and I sort of said, well, yeah, you can buy the copyright to that. We can come up with a price or um, something where you can, you know, use an image of mine. And then they were kind of shocked that they, that I wanted money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that they were like, oh, I think mm. you might just let me have it for free. And it's like, well, then you're making money from... You're, you're doing a class where you just stand there with my painting and a load of people painting my mm. painting. And what, how, how is that fair to me? You know, what, surely the artist who created that artwork should, should receive some financial compensation. Otherwise, go and find a royalty-free artwork online because I'm sure there's something out there or, you know, generate an image via an AI or use, you know, a Picasso or something where the person's long dead yeah. and there's, they're not going to come and sue you. But you, to expect an artist to give away an image that they've slaved over for 40 hours to you to, for free for you to then profit on on your business is a bit of a strange request, you know. It, it mm. doesn't sort of... It wouldn't sit right with me to ask for that and not expect to compensate the artist. It's... And sometimes you don't know where you stand on these things until you get asked the question. Because mm. I think I would be okay if it was students from a school who were learning. Oh, yeah. No. If the teacher wanted to use different. my image. 100%. But I'd I think it's different if it's someone, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I'm trying to think of how I would react to that. I mean, I think if... I Very know. different, I think, if they were saying, we're using some inspiration images and we've put your name, we just wanted to let you know. But if they, yeah, they were saying, we're going to teach people to paint this image of yours... I well, think I would feel a bit funny about that too. Yeah. Well, it's just like it's like well, if I say yes, then they and they have that image that they're going to then use for life for mm. life. You know, run a whole yes. business, and it's going. They're going around. You know, imagine it gets massive, and they're doing a class every week, and every person there is char- paying two hundred fifty dollars to sit and paint my painting, and that person running the mm. class just walks about going. Oh, good. Add a bit more yellow there. It's like, why wouldn't you use your painting? I mean, if I was doing a paint sip, it would be my painting that I'd be teaching exactly. the students, not someone's I'd found online and didn't pay for. Yeah, it. it felt a bit weird and a bit 
And I just think maybe they hadn't thought it through. You know, I don't think they were mm. being kind of malicious about it and trying to swindle me or, you know, they just probably hadn't really thought through that that painting took me hours and hours and hours of my time. Mm. And, you know, 100% it's my idea, my my skill that's created that. And I'm sorry, but no, I don't really want someone else to profit from that if I don't get any cut. It's just exactly it feel right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to mention a couple of books um, just on this idea of kind of creative property and creative ideas. Um, I've read a book by Elizabeth Gilbert uh, called Big Magic. And I'm at the moment listening on Audible to a book by Rick Rubin called um, The Creative Act, A Way of Being. Both really, really interesting books, and I'll put them in the show notes. Um, I'm not that far into the Rick Rubin book yet, but both Rick Rubin and Elizabeth Gilbert talk about this idea of creativity and ideas being almost like separate entities in their own right, and that people are kind of conduits, if you like, to those creative ideas. It's a little bit woo-woo, but I quite like it. Mm. And um, and they both talk quite quite similarly, actually, about in, in parts of their book about this idea where an idea, a creative idea, will kind of exist in the ether, if you like, and it waits for a person, sort of, to receive this idea, and that they there's sort of studies done where, you know, more than one place in the world have had these ideas kind of happen at the same time and it can be from like I think in Elizabeth Gilbert's book she talked about sort of scientific breakthroughs um you know things being discovered scientifically by different people um and you know other things such as creative art you know creative things being invented and things like that um well whilst it is a bit woo-woo and I get that some people will just think. Some people, I mean, Julie, will just roll their eyes and think it's absolutely <laughs> God's my face wallet. Going, yeah. kidding me. Um, I I kind of do like the idea of how you know creativity is a kind of like it's a kind of it's a kind of I don't know it it's in us all and we we all can just tap into our own creativity and there are people out there ah, I haven't got a creative bone in my body and that's just rubbish like I actually think we all have a creative part of us and whether that comes out in creating painting art or whether that comes out in you know gardening or whether that comes out in whatever it is where you talk or something there's something in everybody that has create you know creative um spirit if you like and Mm. I just like I kind of like the way they talked about how you know there is no kind of original idea there's just lots of ideas floating around and we I guess whether we're seeing stuff online or in the world or in a book or hearing on the news or talking to people like we're all going to be influenced and sometimes people are all influenced at the same time and sometimes there's sort of trends that are happening in the world that we subconsciously are absorbing and without even realizing it we're going to start creating art or something in a certain way 
And of course it makes sense that someone else somewhere else will also create something similar in that way because it mm. just happens to be, you know, in magazines or in music or in anything. There's, there's like movements, there's trends, they happen. Um, yeah. And I Sometimes just quite... you don't know you're caught I, up in that movement. Exactly. You might not know right at the time. You know, the Renaissance people might not have realised that they were in the Renaissance era, the people doing cubism. Yeah. You know, it might not have been a conscious thing that they all sat down together and went right let's do this art in this style now this is what we're going to do it's a movement you know it just sort of happened that it was fashionable and it was a thing that people started to do and and it kind of then built and built and built and you can't pinpoint who had the idea first necessarily it's funny because that does, I mean, initially your description of creativity existing in the ether, like obviously that prickles with me and I think that's not for me. And I think I, I don't like the sense of feeling like my creativity, I haven't got agency over no, that. No, I get that. But I think, I mean, sometimes I think when I come across these things that I react against so strongly, it's often sometimes when I need to think, oh, maybe that is a book that I should read because it's outside yeah. of what I would normally, and it does... I, I think you'll enjoy it. on things that make me feel uncomfortable anyway. I think the Elizabeth Gilbert book is probably a little bit more woo-woo. The Rick Rubin book yeah. isn't so much. Just that idea, he sort of talks about kind of only in that one point about sort of ideas being there for everybody and they're waiting to settle on someone. And like you say, yes, yeah. I want to have agency over my own ideas, but I think it would be... I think it would be ignorant to to insist that we are not influenced by outside sources whether that oh, is yeah. you know just the fashion in the shops the music that's in on the radio the, you know like everything out there is getting absorbed into us whether we like it or not and that is yeah. going to influence some at some stage how we do things and colors that we use perhaps or you know like it's nothing mm. nothing exists in a vacuum we are yeah. always going to be influenced. I think, I mean, I don't think that's why I prickle against that statement. And I, I can be a bit black and white about things. And that's often why I like people that are a bit more grayscale because I think it does, you know, I think Balance. it can be really narrowing yeah. and actually detrimental to look at life that way. But I think sometimes it's that same sentiment of uh, people thinking that they if they're not creative, then they're never going to be creative. I think mm. it's one of those things that you can, if you put enough hours into it and you try to oh, learn the yeah. skill, you can, anyone could learn and do. Like, yeah. It doesn't need to uh, be some, like my art when I was seven was not great. Like my no. art when I was in high school at the beginning was not great. It's one of those processes yeah. where you learn and grow and it's not, it's, I didn't just get struck by the creativity gods. No. I think it's like anything and it's like it's a muscle it's it's a it's a muscle that needs to be exercised analogy I can get behind yes yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know I just think you know not you're not necessarily good at anything you know you weren't good at walking when you were born or talking Mm. you weren't you know and anyone even if you've got a musical inclination very few apart from savants or whatever can just sit, sit down at piano and suddenly bust out kind of you know a melody that makes sense but with practice all things can be improved and yes I think we all have the capacity to become more and more creative the more we practice that act 
Um, the other um, the other book that might be worth mentioning in this same uh, portion of the podcast would be that yep. Steal Like an Artist book. Yep. I haven't actually read it, but I've heard a lot of people say that it can, if you're struggling in this area, it's one of those ones that has a few wider concepts where you can sort of go, okay, this is normal. This is how lots yeah. of people have evolved. This is how you can yeah. do it properly. Um, I so think that could be really, another one worth looking yeah, into. Yeah, I've I've only heard a podcast with him talking about it. I've not actually read the book. It's on my to-do list of reading. Um, and it was actually that book, Steal Like an Artist, that, you know, don't don't doesn't take too much of a leap to realise that the podcast name, Fail Like an Artist, kind of was inspired by that. Um, mm. Because I kind of thought, well, yeah, you know, like, I like how he's used that Steal Like an Artist um, analogy and, you know, all all artists. I think they might be taken some off something steal. else as well. Yeah, and all artists kind of steal. That's a and spin I was like, on well, I'm else. gonna I'm gonna spin on that and think we will fail too. So I'm gonna call my the pop well my our podcast fail like an artist. <laughs> and I put that to you, Julie. Uh, it's one of the many other names that it just sort of it felt it felt like it summed up what we wanted to talk about most accurately. Um, mm. So yeah, in a kind of funny twist of irony, we've kind of stolen the title off of a book about stealing <laughs> ideas and he talks about it in a very I think frank and open way um so I think if you are worried about stealing you know feeling like you're stealing ideas that would be a really good place to start um and read to see what his take on it and he talked I think he interviews lots of other people in the book and talks to other artists to get a really ra- rounded view about this idea of copying so yeah we we should definitely mm. sort of link that one in there cool. oh i did also want to kind of touch on but i think this is actually a whole nother podcast but um i think we will definitely need to do a podcast about sort of ai and how that yeah i think of, that's way too big it is too big but there is obviously this huge thing at the moment with ai artwork and the oh, yeah. copyright and sort of intellectual kind of property idea around how AI are sourcing from, you know, millions of artists' online artwork, pooling that together and kind of then creating their own new artworks. So I don't know enough about the topic, really, um, but that is something that is worth sort of in- investigating if you're interested in... Um, yeah, so be, I'd be interested if anybody has any ideas or thoughts around that to reach out to us. I actually, um, and I might put this in there if we do want to get started. If anyone wants to sort of, I, if anyone wants to have uh, some initial reading, I, there was a really interesting newsletter set out by a Australian publication called Galar. And in their mm-hmm. newsletter this week, it was all about how the um, editor was feeling a bit worried about what AI was going to mean for magazines. And her, yeah. I found her thoughts on that really, they resonated with me and I thought she wrote about them really beautifully and just the humanity aspect mm. and clinging mm. on to that. So I might, I might try and include that because it might be worth uh, yeah. initial first take. Um, but yes, I think we should do that as a separate podcast because we're almost two hours into this one and... Um, I start panicking. <laughs> so we've got a couple of quotes that we thought we'd just throw out there for the end. Um, so mine is from Chuck Close and his quote was, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work, which I've always really loved. Yeah, I love Chuck Close's work. Really, yeah, me too. I have since really I was love... in, in school. Yeah. When I was teaching, I did a whole module on portraits and used his 
yeah. as reference and the kids loved it and the work was just so cool and I remember being like oh I want to do portrait but I never have never have <laughs> might be next <laughs> when I get bored of still life okay yeah my my quote is from Austin Cleon that we've who we've just talked about and his is the only way to find your voice is to use it it's hardwired built into you talk about the things you love your voice will follow and I think oh I know, love that when you're when you're talking about voice I think he's meaning artistic voice or you know style or whatever so I think that you've just got to remember that like your voice your style your it's like your handwriting and you know you can you can you you only, you just need to use it you just need to paint you just need to create and the more you do the more you will see that coming through and it will always be unique to you I feel like that's such a great way of summing it up that really uh, I like that um so we are hoping to do a oh this sort of ties in with this copying thing so um we're hoping to do a 30 day sort of i don't want to call it a challenge because that feels i hate the word challenge um but it's going to be a 30 day inspiration prompt inspiration for sort of posts on instagram so um in april um this is kind of taken from an idea that I started, I think, back in 2019, um, where I did a challenge called April for Artists. So we're probably going to use that same hashtag with just 2023 added on the end. Um, but yeah, it's a it was a bit of a stingy point for me because that ended up being kind of copied by a few people and they didn't necessarily um, credit me <laughs> when they also ran a challenge similar to it um so yeah i've moved on from that and let let it go but i do remember at the time I'd, i've done that challenge sort of three years i think in a row and then i didn't do it and then somebody did it and kind of made out like it was their idea and then somebody else did it and changed it to august um instead of april and you know it's hard because it's like one of those grey areas where you're like, well, anyone can come up with a challenge and anyone can come up with 30 prompts for people to use for social media. But when I looked at some of them and they were very, very similar, it felt a bit, felt a bit, mm. I felt just a bit uncomfortable that I hadn't been acknowledged. That that was the hard part for me. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so, we might try and come up with some of these prompts together. And I think yeah. one of the interesting things, hopefully that will come out of it, was that if if there are a bunch of us, even if there's 10 of us doing our new April for Artists, we will all have a different take on the same prompt. And I think if there's anything that you can get out of that, it's that. Like, so the way that Phoebe will photograph her painting, her work and the way that I do it and the way that someone else does it is also different. And that's, Mm. I mean, I find that's always the interesting thing about prompts. I love seeing what other people, how they interpret their... And really the idea behind this was just to give people a kind of framework that they can then use later on if they're stuck for ideas on what to talk about or what to share on social media they can look back at this list and go oh well I really enjoyed that day or I didn't do this day or you know because 30 days of consecutive posting is really really hard and I don't think I'm not we're not saying like if you do this challenge you have to do every single day or you failed like mm. expect to fail in fact we encourage you to f- not do every single day like just do what 
feels right for you and what would you know work for you so we're going to have a brainstorm think of some prompts um but we'll put a box in our stories too so if you've got any ideas of things you think would be fun to share so that you know a bit like the uh, march meet the maker that was happening uh, or that is happening right now um those prompts to me seem a little bit more aimed at creators so more things like small businesses or perhaps illustrators or not illustrators what's the word like um makers makers i think well because it's called march meet the maker so that makes sense but people that make things rather than necessarily artists so some of those prompts wouldn't really sort of be applicable to artists which is why i came up with the april for artists because i wanted to make every single one specific to people that either you know paint or draw or um use photography or ceramics or something that's more i suppose art rather than a kind of product does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, um, so we will yeah, so. we'll try and put them in next week's newsletter, um, and then we'll obviously pop it up on Instagram before it goes out. So, uh, yeah, be grateful. Follow along to join with that. in. Yeah, and yeah, just be lovely to a lovely way of connecting with people because what's nice about that is that you can you can follow that hashtag when we've created it, and obviously we'll put it in a post like Julie said. Um, and if you follow that hashtag, those images will pop up in your feed and you'll be able to find other artists that way that are doing the challenge. And that's a really nice way to kind of network and build a community and, and, and help each other by like liking each other's posts and commenting on each other's posts and, you know, yeah. um, lifting each other up and supporting each other. So that's sort of another reason why I like doing those challenges. OK, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah um okay uh well there's lots of we had a lot of questions we had a lot of um things to talk about but i think we have to wrap it up here don't we julie otherwise we'll be here all day so we'll sorry. probably come back to yeah. this no that's fine don't be sorry i think we'll have to come back to this topic because it's such a big one um but i think it there will was keep popping up there. it'll get peppered through a lot of our other conversations i think like a lot of things there's just some ongoing conversations that and i think do you know it maybe our our None of our, certainly for me, none of my ideas are set in stone. How I think today, no. that may change. And I think mm. that's a really good thing to keep in mind. It's a bit of a growth mindset. And yeah. you might be coming at it right now feeling like you only think of art in this way. It has to be original if it includes this. And that may change over time. And that's great, I think. Um, so expect our opinions to grow and change and evolve over time too. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think there's a whole... A whole other podcast that you could go into about sort of coming up with um sort of finding what's the word i'm looking for finding a kind of theme or topic or point of interest to delve into that's unique to you like it's yeah it's a big one for finding your emerging. voice yeah we, i mean we've talked about finding your style but narrowing that down even more to sort of find the niche of thing that you're interested in is it's quite hard for an emerging artist and it's it, you know it took me a few years to to feel like I've got to a place where I'm confident and comfortable with what I'm exploring yeah. as a creative idea and um I think people think that that it, that should be a spontaneous thing that you at the moment you decide you want to pursue art should just appear in front of you and actually it takes years of 
practice and thinking and and kind of discernment to get there so don't panic if you feel like you haven't got there yet yeah I think the other thing that in the future would be good to delve into a bit more is how to overcome the comparison trap because I know that's a lot of one big thing that often comes out of mm-hmm. the whole copying originality debate especially with regards to social media so you know yeah we'll hopefully get into that it's because I think that that's yeah. that's another time. that's another podcast too well well it's anyway, just lots of we'll be around for a bit to, yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay um all right well thank you so much if you want to see my epic fail cake then make sure you subscribe to the newsletter you can also find out lots of other stuff about the podcast on that <laughs> um sorry i was just being silly then uh, please do julie does a fantastic job with our newsletter and there's lots of goodness in there so um there will be a I feel like there's going to the become notes. like there's going to be a sorry <laughs> i feel like there's going to be a phoebe recipe section this will be the second yes. week in a row we've got <laughs> <laughs> this isn't this isn't a food podcast didn't you know <laughs> um Yes, thank you as well. If you do want to support the podcast on Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi, Cute Coffee, whatever it's called, there's a link in the show notes for that too. Um, You can find us over on at faillikeanartist. Do email in your fails to faillikeanartist at gmail.com or send us a DM. And Julie? You can find me over at Julie Battisti or at juliebattisti.com. And where can they find you? You can find me at phoebeganza.com or on Instagram at phoebeganzaart. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for joining in. We'll speak to you next time. Until then. Chat soon. Keep on failing. (laughs) Keep on failing. (laughs) Bye-bye. You can find me on... Phoebeganza just like some weird noise i thought you'd just forgotten who you were sound like an elephant oh god no sorry i heard this like weird trumpeting noise outside and i'm like oh no there's an elephant loose in the garden <laughs> julie's got wasps on that elephant <laughs> yeah oh, looked really confused i was like oh, oh god she's totally like, forgotten who she is like this i'm like what is that I have no idea what it is. None of your kids are If there's an elephant, no, my kids are all at school. If there's an elephant in my garden, I'll take a photo. Put that in the show notes too. Um. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.